Advice from a dipshit Advice from a dipshit Advice from a dipshit It's advice from a dipshit With Matt Bronger And this is, of course, Advice from a Dipshit with Matt Bronger. Back again. Unstoppable. We are at a billion downloads a week now. So thanks, everybody. And every space of inhabited Earth is listening to us. So that's... It's great. No, bullshit aside, it's really taken off, and we're at levels, I'm told, that you typically reach when you're up into your 50th or 100th episode, and now the hits keep on coming. Thank you, everybody, on uh, Patreon helping us out, and if you haven't donated, please do if you can, or at least give us a nice little rating. We're just just trying to have some fun at the expense of people's actual problems. I'm kidding. No, we're, we're, <laughs> we're here to help in some capacity, I think, but uh, people find it entertaining, and, and thanks for all the nice messages online and, and everything. I'm joined today by a friend who dabbles in the dark arts, would that be fair? <laughs> no, just typical kind of read. Sorry, it's Rob Zabrecki. He's a magician friend of mine. He is Amanda's favorite magi- magician. She t- did I just blow up your I spot? Did. No, I thought you, you did t- just a little. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's, he's my favorite magician. We're all about human moments. Yeah. Uh, Rob does seances uh, and uh, many other magic type things. Rob, uh, would you get into that a little bit, not to put you on the spot? Sure. Uh, yeah. So I I am a magician. That It's always weird to say because we were talking before we started rolling about the dreams you have when you close your eyes and you fall asleep and you go, I want to be a, wouldn't it be cool to be a blank, blank, blank. And magician was never one of those things for me. I <laughs> totally fell into it on accident uh, in my mid twenties when I was, uh, when I was pursuing a dream that was, you know, a little kid closing your eyes, listening to cheap trick records in the seventies in Burbank, which was music. I wanted to be a musician and that's what I ended up being. And, I uh, had a band for 10 years from 89 to 99. I had a band called Possum Dixon. Yes. And yeah, thanks. And I did that for, you know, that was kind of, I did get to pursue that that sort of dream. And and while I was living that dream, and it was uh, rapidly dying about halfway through, <laughs> and I was a pretty miserable person, I stumbled into a, a magic shop in Baltimore and my life changed. And I fell in love with magic. Well, and it not only a thing to fall in love with it, but it's also a thing to have to be uh, adept to reach a point where you're actually good at it. You know what I mean? Well, I, yeah, those are definitely two different things because there was a big old gap between resembling anything that was like good mm-hmm. and and you know a skilled practitioner versus somebody who went, I I want to do that. Oh my god, I'm really bad at it, and I'm gonna, <laughs> and little did I know I was going to be really bad at it for like four years before you know things started uh, to transpire because of hard work and being persistent and you know yeah having a burning desire to want to kind well, of see I, mean, it I feel like you're driven by your passion and that's that's the key a in life and b i think it's anything i've said this on the show before and i certainly did not make it up but anything you practice gets stronger so if all you practice is sitting around the couch uh, drinking and complaining about your life that will be a strong part of your life but if you take your time and learn how to do magic tricks and illusions and things like that, you will get better at them. So you kind of, it's interesting that when people find a thing that they've devoted their life to, uh, reaching the sunset of its time, which it feels like you probably did with your band, and then you you jump to an entirely different thing. Definitely performance-based, but, uh, you know, I love Cheap Trick, but they were never like all of a sudden, and the Eiffel Tower's gone. We did it. We did it. We truly are the dream police. Mm. Good one. Nice one. We're in a dream. 
Very uh, nice. I remember I, I, my friend Kyle Kinane was on the show once, and I was just, uh, he's from Chicago, and we both love Cheap Trick, and we, we were once very stoned and going, it'd be fucked up if Dream Police were a real thing. Like you're, 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 Wait, they're not? During, <laughs> they live inside of my head. Yeah, you're having a dream, and they come in. No, 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 that's a bad thing to dream about. Stop it. You're like, I can't help it. It's my dream. I think I've had, I feel like I've had the dream police. Though. I feel like I am my dream police. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I've stopped myself in dreams from doing things where, because you, you think it's the real world, and it's not the dream world. Not to say, like, I should kill this guy or anything like that, but it's generally, like, you know, something sexual or, or um, I'm going to eat a big cake or something, you know? Just eat the cake. It's a dream. But I don't eat it because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm policing myself in a dream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, oh, man, I'm in Hollywood now. I can't get yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. I can't eat that dream cake. I, I'm a model, so, you know, <laughs> you know. Bradley Cooper can't work forever. That's all I'm going to say right now. But. <laughs> He's on his way out. <laughs> all right? Did you... Did, oh. Go ahead. But no, it's just a star is born with such like a glorification of like how fit he is. Is it? Was, yeah. See, I haven't seen it and I've heard a lot of good things and I've heard some bad, but Well, cuz I'm the biggest fan of the Barbra Streisand Chris Christopherson version of that movie. Mm, okay. Huge fan of them. Oh, right on. So, of course, I had to go see it and I there were just so many cuts and edits that make no sense. Like uh, cut to him being way too drunk peeing on stage. Cut to him <laughs> in a little speedo swimming in a pool in a beautiful Yeah. Rehab oh, center, you oh, know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay. and I, and, I, and I've always I, I've always noticed that you know as someone who has more than dabbled in heavy drinking, when you see someone, uh, two things: one, when there's a guy, they find the guy in a bar and he's been drinking all day, and like you got to get on this case, and then an hour later he's just footloose and fancy free and normal and not slurring his words at all. Uh, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, or or when it's someone, it's just like um, supposedly they've been on a binge for a week and then the next day they're just normal and they're not, you know, they're, they're, their skin does not have an awful reddish hue. It's like when you drink like that, you look like you're constantly windburnt. You know? That is so true. Hey. I, that happened in the the Queen movie. Had do you guys see? That? I haven't seen it yet. But go ahead. I don't, spoil uh, away. No, it's a it's a lovely movie. I highly recommend it. And I, there's no spoiler alert. Other than that, you know these. Uh, people are on these, you know, uh, weak benders, yeah. and you, you know, it doesn't. In reality, if you know what that looks like, it you can't no. really use the English language and, <laughs> and operate machinery and, and things. People's whispered voices are too loud the yeah. next day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, exactly. Yeah, but um, but it's. I think it's fantastic that you've you've not only followed your path, but you've, you've cut out kind of a niche for yourself that's really fascinating, I think. that I mean, I joke that you dabble in the dark arts, but it, you're obviously influenced by um, Hollywood noir and horror movies and things like that, which is just way up my alley. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing, the, the thing I noticed was all that stuff I was fascinated by as a teenager and 20s and, you know, that was interested before, like, while having a band, all that, every element just flipped right over into the magic yeah. the idea of being a magician and going well i can kind of write these in, indirectly into a narrative for a magic trick or or a character or a theme of a presentation for something and when i discovered that it was like it was a real eureka moment it was really blissful that's great um and it was at a time when it didn't seem quite possible because I kind of walked into the magic castle in the i don't know 96 97 or something and there were no signs of it really being an art form at first. You just oh. saw the the purple jumpsuits and the the kind of outdated, outmoded sensibilities on a not on every level, but on several levels. Sure, uh, mostly on the, the the current performers that were there. And then it wasn't until you started looking into the 
those um, turn-of-the-century lithographs of, say, Chungling Su or Keller or Thurston, you go, oh, this looks like it really has, there is something cool going on here. What is it? Right. And then, you know, I started learning that people like Doug Henning did have a unique and singular vision, and they were able to kind of create art from from uh, the idea of being a magician, which was really cool. I think one of my favorite things, if not the favorite thing for me about performance art on any level is, as an audience member, is where are you taking me? And I think with a magician, you, you're very visceral. You're, you're definitely going somewhere that you're not. Uh, and with a band, it's like that, but it's a little more, maybe a little bit more spiritual because it's a sound, because there's vibrations, because you can lose yourself and you don't necessarily need words. Um, and with the low art, the in-the-gutter art, mine, stand-up comedy. You, <laughs> no, but even then, it's like even if someone is talking about their relationship with their wife or an experience they had at the DMV. It's like you're there now and you are seeing it from that person's eye sockets, if they're good. So it's, it's like you finding a thing to frame it around, you know, you can always tell if someone's kind of a, like a faker and they're just doing it to kind of, oh, this is my, this is a new thing. I think it'll catch on. Oh, Whereas yeah, you, you do this from something that you love. Yeah, by by what I refer to as embracing your inner weirdo is always a good way to uh, <laughs> find your way into any original thing where you're, of course, honest, but you just go, well, what is it about, what are the things about me when I'm dancing around my room in my underwear that people don't, that might, they might actually get a kick out of this yeah. stuff. You yeah. know, it's like How when we- you're having that heart to heart with somebody, and you go, oh, this might actually be a seed of a stand-up piece or or I don't know, screenplay or whatever. You know, sure. that's that's where the good stuff comes from. I guess. Yeah, abs- absolutely. But every smart person knows that. Yeah. Well, I mean, or ugh, they either you know, <laughs> I feel like a lot of us know it but ignore it too. Of course. You know? Yeah. Or don't want to. Or or really like what I've kind of seen at least in magic is people don't want to embrace. They don't really want to take those things that are really interesting about them because it's scary. Yeah. It's you're vulnerable, and suddenly you're like. You're really putting yourself out there in a way that you you can be judged, and if you're uh-huh. not skin is if you're not completely down and, and comfortable with you know being judged and criticized in ways that can be you know hurtful or or you know um, can make you feel small, then it's it's hard to do. Yeah, no, I, and it's a shame, and it's also a shame that we live in a town where sometimes it, when someone wants to be themselves, uh, there are various people who are on the marketing side of things that might be like, mm, I don't see that selling. The suits. The suits. Oh, the as, suits. As they're known. But you, 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 and so this person gets <laughs> held back, whereas, you know, the hard and fast rule of show business is no one knows anything. I know. You and know? you know what, it, but, you know, I, and I'll, I'll just touch on the idea of the glorious uh, internet and technology as it is. It, mm-hmm. um, pr- prime example, we're sitting in your living room right now having this conversation with Amanda that we're, you know, I'm looking around and we're not in a studio. We're, nope. you're, you, we have free reign to do what we want. Yes. And you can post this pretty much wherever you, you know, mm-hmm. within reason on the internet. People can access it and hopefully they will find it if they're looking for it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but, but it is that wild west in a way where we can yeah. make our own content. And even if you do have the stupidest, craziest idea, you can have your own band if you're in Wichita, Kansas or, or Hollywood yeah. or whatever, or make your short movie on your iPhone or whatever it is. And there is, you know, two people might see it, you know, you have to, I think, pre- be prepared for that outcome. Because I, I think, you know, so many people, you know, as we all know people that create content, we all think, well, I'm going to make this thing. And, you know, you have got these expectations of it. But I think if you have super low expectations, which I've always have had. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been successful, you know, like for me, yeah. my, playing my band, the, 
the whole thing was playing in this place called Al's Bar, now defunct uh, uh, underground kind of rock bar that was uh, downtown many yeah. years ago. In what's known as the Arts District. Now. Exactly. They, third, third and Hewitt, which is I, I now did, pretty I walkable. did comedy once there before it was gone. You they, did? They, he, I remember cool. he, had, he had a ton of uh, weapons, a ton of guns oh, under glass well, cases. Uh-huh. Uh, that, was, that was in a separate area, I think. You know, just like to look at. Sounds right. Thing, like yeah. a weird collection. He had like bombs, like World War II bombs and stuff. Anyway, yes. But it was cool. It, it, for context, if people saw the uh, Tenacious D series on HBO in the late 90s, they, those were shot at Al's. They were? I believe. Oh, wow. I hadn't yeah. seen those. Yeah. Uh, but the point is that our goal was like, hey, if we can play Al's Bar on a Friday, nice. We made, yes. we made it. Good goal. Check. Good goal. And then from there, we, you know, we wanted to do other things. And it was always that. Well, we kind of hit the mark, and it was, and that was a pretty serious. Like that wasn't, we weren't joking ourselves. It mm-hmm. was like that was really a big deal. Yeah, and, and I mean, so for now, like a big deal is, you know, can be. Can, again, I always try to keep my expectations pretty low. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a good thing. I mean, it's 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 healthy, and it's a good way to keep yourself happy. Not yeah, to, I mean, I think goals are great, but if you have this one goal of, uh, you know. Sell, selling out Wembley uh, five nights in a row, and that's all. You can't settle for less. It's, it's, it's life is going to hurt. Yeah, so you got to give yourself better goals than that. You know. Yeah, for me, know? the goal is just knowing the outcome. Like, when I do mm-hmm. this thing. What's going to happen? Like, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Well, you want to take some <laughs> calls here and see if we can. All right. That is the all plan. Right. I'm going to do yes. things a little bit in reverse order. All right. So I need to bring up, like, uh, I was waiting for this to happen, so I'm bringing a little context to it, but. Rob, specifically why you're my favorite magician and specifically related to performance art is the character of Zabrecki, who performs and then creates the context which allows you to suspend disbelief very easily. Yeah. And so somebody called in about that, mm-hmm. and like about this. So I just had to express that who we're speaking to now you know, not like that isn't Zabrecki the performer, but there definitely is a character. I, like, I feel like that's like slightly incorrect, but correct that Rob plays. Oh yeah, in the, sure. In, so, hey Matt, this question is for Rob, and I was curious what his approach to kayfabe is. In other words, where do you draw the line between Rob and Zabrecki when you come off stage from a performance, if you're at the castle or any other venue? Thanks. I tell me to repeat the question back, or are you? No, 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 that's 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 heard. Yeah, okay, they Mm -hmm. will absolutely get it. You'll edit that part out. That don't edit it. I like that. Okay, (laughs) Uh, so I I tend to be polite. Uh, So that's a good question, and the short answer is: the second I walk off stage, that character is is done, and I get my life back. And when I walk on stage, I walk into another world, and I try to create a special place for audiences to go, you know? Um, and it's, it boils down to taking a big emotional risk and going, okay, I'm going to create a space for people to go into. Like if it's like hearing a song or going in to see a movie or something and hopefully having a, a point of view and a narrative that is so specific and feels like you're going into another place that uh, they're very different, I guess. is, is there, I mean, they're completely different. It's like punching in and punching out. Nice. Matt, you're, you don't necessarily have a stage persona. It's just you? me exaggerated, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I pretty much talk the way I talk on stage. I'm very conscious of patterns. 
of the way comedians all sound. It's like the most obvious example would be like newscasters. One of the funniest parts about when they showed that the period before Anchorman came out was just clips where he's doing Ron Burgundy like, La Jolla Man clings to life after being <laughs> mauled by several dogs. And, you know, because they just have this pattern of, uh, and that kitten play with that ball of yarn all afternoon. Like, they all talk, and it's like comedians are the same way. And uh, what's his name? The Big J. Okerson had the best expression for a, a basic, quote-unquote, comedian. He calls him Indias. Because they will, like, a person will be like, so my mom thinks I'm a loser, and I uh, thought, may, they say and I, and I, uh. Oh, and he, right. that's, and it's like, he's a much harsher critic of the art format of comedians than I ever will. But I was like, woo, that's a good one. And it's kind of a thing to kind of stay away from, because you don't really talk that way when you're talking to people. And you, you are doing a show, and so I'm definitely going to sell stuff bigger and yell parts and things, but I don't want to sound, quote-unquote, like a comedian. That's, a, that's Well, right. exactly. I mean, the second I latch in, you call it Mandaya? And, 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 I'm and sorry, Andaya. There's and no M. I, yeah, yeah, Andaya. Yeah. Uh, the second I catch an Andaya, I'm like going, where's my phone? When do I get my life back? Yeah. <laughs> like, how long does this have? Because yeah. you know... It's come. It's inauthentic, and and mm-hmm. often, it's coming from a place of they're maybe trying to catch their next bit of dialogue, and, and the writing might actually, the joke might be good. Sure, but if it's wrapped up in that big hunk of junk, yeah, I don't want any part of it. No, I and I feel like I, I love it when I kind of abandon the joke and just go off on my own and about a thought I just had or that I and usually those do better because they sound it just it's like people like oh we're going somewhere new with you of course uh, and I, you can sense it when a comedian does it too I, I'm I'm doing a show next week called uh, Guilty Treasures where comedians do like a set and then they do a song that they like even though they kind of hate it and mm-hmm. uh, you know like guilty pleasures and I don't I don't really believe in guilty pleasures unless we're talking about murder or something. I mean, I think it's whatever blows your skirt up is great. I'm with you. But yeah, I agree. it's it's like um so it's like it's hard for me to find a song like that. So I was like, oh I found this song that I'm like, oh I <laughs> the singer is making himself sound badass. So this song is kind of annoying to me. Like right. I think one of the funniest pieces of music ever is Hot Blooded by Foreigner. And I'm not doing that song, but I love it because it's so stupid. This guy is basically telling this woman, like, I want to have sex and I'm good at it and you should come with me. Me, the guy who's singing. Me, Ron. Like, he might as well say whatever his name is. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's yeah. like, you're doing a character, but you're not, you know? Completely. To, to answer the question, if someone's like, are you singing that as yourself, hitting on a woman? He'd be like, no. Like, depending on who's asking. Like, mom, it's a character. Hey, baby, it's not a character, by the way. You lady who's looking at me. You know, like that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, of course. So, of course. anyway... So when you get off stage, then how do you, what do you, how do you differentiate between exaggerated Matt? I'm just much quieter and I'm just more conversational and not, there's that thing of uh, when a comedian is constantly on, it's the worst. And it is, it's the absolute worst when someone is just always trying to do a bit, always trying to be, they veer away from unsincere at every turn for their own game to try to get a laugh out of someone. And it's just annoying. It's like someone who, and I have been guilty of this earlier in my life, someone who only talks and never listens and never asks questions. And the thing, I, a friend of mine, my oldest friend, in fact, he was like, you just never asked me anything about my life. And it just crushed me when he said that. I was like, fuck, you're right. I've been so self-obsessed. But now I ask him all the time and I ask everyone all the time and it's just better. I like listening. 
You know, I, I like hearing other people's. So I, there's, and also if you're a stand up, there's no real give and take. You don't really have conversations. Like I don't do a lot of crowd work. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you like it so much. You've kind of created a podcast for it in some a ways. Which is, so you had a pretty <laughs> big epiphany at yeah. some point. Uh, like, uh oh, better turn that self centered yeah. stuff off. Uh oh, you, you, you cracked little, my secret. I'll go yeah. you one better and do the guy on the stands of the Perry Mason episode who just yeah I did it and I did it like this. The guy who gives away way too much shit about himself. Oh, that right. never happened. All these calls are paid actors. That I've paid. Yeah. I know that. Not a yeah, real I person. Yeah, yeah. I saw the listing. Um, <laughs> With headshots taped to the wall. Yeah. No, but of course, performers are totally self-centered people, and they're yeah. out to you know work on the next bit, and, and it's there's something pretty sad and pathetic about that. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I've, like I think about like, did my wife save my life? I don't know if she saved my life, but she saved my persona and saved like my sense of well-being. I always have, even if I have a crap set at the comedy store, or I tried some stuff that didn't work, or mm-hmm. I was on the road on the weekend, and it was, you know, I, I don't really have disaster weekends, but I have ones where I just get incredibly annoyed by myself or lonely or whatever. I still can come home and go, oh, but I have roots. This is nice. You know, I have yeah, somewhere to go sure. that has nothing to do with any of that shit. Of course. Whereas I was just a guy who had going back to an empty apartment. I This one joke I can never crack but it's, you know, I have so many of these, but it's like, I, I always thought of myself when I was single and a comedian as those, those guys you see in movies that detectives just kick in the door to shake them down. And they're always like eating a TV dinner. Like, ah, I didn't do shit. What are you guys doing here? <laughs> yeah. And right. Like, we know you were there. They slap him around. He's like, all right, all right. All I know is Vincenzo was there with a gun. <laughs> like he just starts squealing right away, you know, cause he's yeah. just this awful little rat man of course. <laughs> with no roots. He's just a criminal. It didn't really go anywhere. And yeah, what's the point yeah. of being a criminal if it doesn't go anywhere? Right. It's the saddest thing in the world. Anyway. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd be quick to be the narc. <laughs> I guess I would be I'd be a fucking snitch. If it wasn't for no. your wife. <laughs> I just think he's so sad. He just like screw these people. I'll tell you everything. Yeah. <laughs> Got you. Hopefully I wouldn't be that much of a snitch. <laughs> well, but there, yeah, there's always that great quote by uh, Francis Bacon, the painter, who said, The artist's job is to always deepen the mystery. And yeah, you can't you can't be lowering the veil too much. Yeah, you know that's the thing, especially when you have a a character, even a heightened version of your persona. I think you give away too much, and again, it's like I I want to reach for my phone or look at what yes. do I I know too much. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. and I think I think creative people should throw that in the mix when you're when you're writing material or working on it. it's always. Even music, I'd say, you know, it's like lyrics can can be sometimes too revealing. Yeah. Uh, or or sometimes music itself, instrumental music can be so, you know, verbose that you just kind of want st- you need to kind of like dodge it like a bullet. Yeah. Well, and and also, you, if like I was saying, it's like a performer's job is to take someone, take you somewhere. Let's go somewhere amazing, good or bad. Yep. It could be a horrible place, but it's that's it be- exactly it, it, right. It better be fascinating. I or yeah, I, I um, thrilling in some way. Yeah, I did a lecture on um, Sunday at the Magic Castle, mm. and I talked to magicians about presenting magic as theater. Cool. And and uh, I just the last thing I say is I go look if I could if you if there's one takeaway, it's please take emotional risks. Each one of you guys had to get up and get dressed and check emails and eat and do all this boring stuff. Mm-hmm. When you step in the spotlight, please. You're, you're taking my valuable time and everybody else's, and I'm taking yours when I'm up here. Please don't be boring. Be extraordinary. <laughs> nice. Now, I don't think any, I think two people might have like went to their notebooks and jotted that down. And I know that they won't, I know that people, they won't do that, but I feel like at least saying it is 
I'm throwing it out there. Sure. And I'm sharing it. Yeah, so it's, it is a contribution. That's great. You know? All right. Yeah, that's awesome advice. And not dipshitty at all. <laughs> you two just threw down. This just got like heavy. In this I know. I'm like, wow. It's going wisdom. real. I like it's it. It's got a wave of wisdom. All right, let's lighten it up and get stupid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let's go back that's to easier. more questions. Yeah, go back to more, more fun. Hey, Matt. Um, I am a huge fan of your stand-up and have loved your show. Recently found it, and it's totally like one of the best parts of my week, listening to your show. Um, I think that you have great advice, and I love that it comes from your life experience and just you come across very genuine on your show. And so I'm calling in because I have this issue or question, I guess. Um, my husband, who is a wonderful man, who I love very much, uh, has differing viewpoints than me when it comes to politics and the world. Mm. So I tend to lean a little left, like yourself, which I totally am a fan also of your show, of your viewpoint. But um, it has recently been causing some issues in our relationship mm. in that he is definitely more conservative. Um, a little background is we live in the uh, lovely conservative state of Utah, and he's also in law enforcement. So I am a little bit outnumbered here as far as, you know, being able to be heard with my viewpoint kind of leaning more towards the left. My question is, I don't know um, how to have a great conversation with him in a way that lets us both be able to share our viewpoints without it without him feeling attacked, I guess, or feeling frustrated that I feel the way that I feel. So I'm sure in your worldly experience, you have come up against this with people who you are close to in your relationships um, of just being able to communicate with them. So I would love any, you know, any insight or input you have or advice would be awesome. And I totally appreciate your feedback. Thanks so much. Thank you for the kind words. That's very sweet that you take some time out of your week to to listen to our show and um, and that you dig my stuff. I, I, I appreciate you saying so, and I and I appreciate the problem you're in because it one of my biggest God I won't even say pet peeves, but one of my biggest balls of rage these days is that there the, the there is a situation created by chaos sowers that we are in now where there is no dialogue and there is only you're wrong and I'm right. Uh, I won't even say both sides on every side. And it, we live in this time of disinformation, and the reason why you create disinformation is to sow discord. And that's what's happened in our country and, I would say, civilization at large. That said, this is your husband, and this is someone you love, and he loves you. His viewpoint is definitely shaped by his occupation and where you guys live and his his background and everything. is. And I'm sure I'm certain yours yours is as well. I, I think the thing to concentrate on is that a great relationship to me is like an oasis. It is a way to get away, if need be, from the world, where the two of you can just be with each other and will not judge each other and will love each other and um, will hear each other. Unfortunately, in this situation, what that means is that you kind of have to, pardon the phrase, stick to your guns a little bit and. And just, it's really all about framing in terms of uh, being a lefty, because the right certainly has mastered how to frame every single issue to make us sound insane. But one of the most interesting takes I ever heard when there was still a debate about, and I guess there is still a debate about whether 
people who are the same sex should be able to marry or not, but not in my mind, you know, not in my world, not in my Hollywood. Uh, but uh, when it was still up for grabs legally kind of thing back and forth, the way that I was like kind of taught to talk to someone who was on the opposite end of it is like, oh, wait, so you want the government to tell you who you can and can't marry? And that puts a person on the right to going, well, no. It's like, yes, you do, because that's what it is. It's really about not, not framing in terms of like, oh, trick your husband, show him he's dumb or whatever. His viewpoints are his viewpoints, and you got to respect those, and that's, you know, they're as valid as yours. But just don't feel like you have to sacrifice how you see the world and how, what you believe for the sake of your marriage, because that is too often what gets foisted upon, upon women. They have to make the sacrifice. It is up to them to step aside because there are wiser minds. And it's just like that narrative is, is beyond archaic and, and, and even more beyond horseshit. Women are our equals, and it's been said many times, our graders. And it's just like as much as it sounds like a joke, I, I can't knock it. My, my wife is, is far more together than I am. And that's just talking about my life. I'm not using my life as a microcosm. That said, let your husband know that your viewpoints are not, ne- are not necessarily going to change, <laughs> sorry, for his feelings. And he should be man enough to accept that. But that's my opinion. Uh, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you said some really, uh, every smart and clever thing you can <laughs> upon that one. <laughs> uh, I guess the thing I would add is just maybe map out what that conversation might be like and if you listen to the earlier part of this conversation we're talking about the knowing what the outcome is of things and kind of prepare yourself for what that might you know what what kind of responses he might get and how you'd respond to that you know always of course uh done in the most calm and relaxed fashion (laughs) uh you know i think that's that's probably how i'd I would approach that. Yeah, and I mean, look, it, it's self-defeating when someone on the right is, is is a man in terms of a woman and just like, oh, you're, you know, the whole don't worry your pretty little head about things. Because my mother's father, my grandfather, was he was a lawyer in Chicago, and his law partner was, was Henry Hyde. And if you know what the Hyde Amendment is, it was very anti-abortion rights and blah, blah, blah. So my mother declared herself a Democrat at 14. <laughs> and when my grandpa retired long before I was alive, and my mother was in her, her teens, uh, Henry Hyde said to Joe Bailey, cheers, may the only albatross he have to bear be his liberal daughter. And everyone laughed at my mom in this wow. huge like banquet hall. And she felt so small and, and so awful. And I think of that when I think of the amount of privilege that men have in our society and the amount, and, and we think because we are on this level, we somehow earned it. Where, no, not necessarily. Some of us certainly have, but even more of us are just there. And we think privilege equals um, wisdom, equals uh, understanding of all things. I'm this godlike visage. Visage? It doesn't sound like you are, so don't, but just don't discount your viewpoint. That's all. And I'm biased, but I, I think I'm right. <laughs> yeah, and, and one, one thing I'll add from, from listening to all this is um, I think when I go into a similar space where I'm, I've been married for 20 years so I've had a I've been in the the war zone a few times uh, I always try to remind myself that my wife and I have the same core values beyond how we're going to see yes what restaurant we're going to or what person we think may be you know doing something we don't like or or something that we feel wronged or, or righted or we feel like we need to do something about a situation and I hope that you and your your husband do share the same core values and hopefully this is something that you can sit down and have a you know you can 
speak to each other like human beings about and not anything other than that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think as much as we will, we tear each other apart, we pretty much all want the same thing, you know, uh, if you get down to it. So, and if you don't bail, but just run <laughs> or edit that out. Do, Amanda. Can we, can we yeah. cut in uh, run to the hills by Iron Maiden? Can we, <laughs> drip, drip, drip. Uh, <laughs> Maybe take or, the- or run. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I often think it's like, this is a short podcast, but it's like how much shorter it'd be if I was just an asshole. <laughs> Ditch him. Fuck that oh guy. Oh my God. Yeah. Next. Yeah. 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 yeah please edit that, that part out there. I don't feel good, comfortable about that. <laughs> no way. That's funny because my mind went, oh, if he's a cop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell him to bring the outfit home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spice it up. See, well, that's a whole different kind yeah, of way to work through stuff. Yeah, a way to win him over. Yeah, for, right. yeah. for real. All right. Hi, Matt. My name is uh, Dan. I live in a uh, part of Connecticut trying to keep this rather um, anonymous. Uh, but, yeah, so this might be a weird thing, but I... After, like, six years of being single, I finally am close to having something like a girlfriend. And as weird as that sounds, I guess I just mean we've been dating but haven't really put anything on it. Mm. Um, and that kind of – the fact that I haven't dated in a while kind of means I don't know any rules, which I think mm. is kind of nice because – it just left me in a place to be as honest as I can. And sometimes I think that honesty tends to scare people. Um, and so I'm just curious, I guess, like, how do you feel about just being as open as you can with someone that you're first starting to feel strongly about? I told her the other night, that, not that I love her, don't freak out, I'm not that idiot, but, like, that the last couple of weeks I've been seeing her, I felt really happy, and that I just really appreciate her being around me. And I don't think that threw her off, but I think she's played the game a little bit more, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, there are so many more questions I want to ask you, but I guess it's just really, how... Do I not fuck this up because I like being as real as I can and don't really want to scare people away with uh, sometimes what I guess you can call intense truth or just I, I, I call it being real, but I think people might see it as an, another thing. Um, I'm sure I will call you again. I am a musician uh, living the the vagabond lifestyle kind of and oh boy just another white guy trying to be an artist but uh <laughs> I, I think i'll start with this one um love what you do uh and your voicemail message box is awesome you're so cool um talk to you soon all right bye thanks dan god i was scared at first about what he meant by like too real i did not see that going in a nice place and it did. I mean, to, to, first off, like, good. If you if you feel good about this person, tell them. Oh no, a guy that doesn't play games. Chicks hate that. What? Think it's a good thing if you if you like that she's around. That's a really nice thing to say to somebody. And way 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 less risky than the 
I love you. Nothing's wrong with I love you, unless it's too soon, obviously. I like that you're around is a sweet thing that I think more of us should say to more of us. That's a really nice thing to say. It's, it's really awesome. And it sounds like you got a good thing going, and I don't think that'll mess it up. I mean, you know, I'm, maybe she's a little more guarded than you are, and you don't want to be that guy who is... Uh, the puppy dog in the situation. So I understand that. But God, like I literally thought it was like, oh, uh, she has a really strong pubic bone and it hurts the the base of my penis, which is something I went through years and years ago where it's like I'm dating somebody. I'm just like, I like her, but Jesus Christ. It's just she had, she had a really strong, prominent front pubic bone. And when she was on top of me, it would just dig right into my abdomen and it hurt. And yeah, I'm sharing something that's way too fucking real, but that's what this show is. Uh, it doesn't matter. So this this person will never know who I'm talking about. So whatever. But like, I thought we were going there. Was this thing where it's like, should I just tell her? And I never told this woman this. Never. You know. But it's it's if, not too late. If we got, to, <laughs> let me call her right now. Can we bring that up? Bring up the phone. Give her first and last name. No. But it. it I, I thought we were going somewhere like that, where you were gonna share something that would definitely hurt the person. Truth is dangerous. Truth can be very, very uh, painful if it's introduced in its, in its raw form uh, without caution. But the kind of truth you're talking, I think, is, is nice. What do, you, what do you think, Rob? Well, you said early on that you had, in, in the past, you had uh, issues with being too honest and it affecting the outcome of your you know, relationships. So I, I'd maybe make a little list of what those things you said were, because since Good it's also idea. subjective, I, I don't know exactly the things that you're saying. And, and of course, every relationship is so different. And, you know, each each combo of, of each couple is, is so different. But if there was a pattern of things you were saying that uh, was like getting you uh, – Nixed from the relationship, uh, maybe hold back on that stuff. <laughs> uh, again, not knowing, you know, I feel like I've got like one piece of the puzzle for you, but I, I totally agree with um, what Matt said. Like, when just saying something lovely to somebody that that's not, I love you, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, but just like, hey, you know what? It's so nice just to sit and have this second with you. And yeah, I love that you're here. Those are things, like, if someone's not into that, then that that that's that's a red flag right there. I, I really like I l- really like having you around. The fuck are you a weirdo? <laughs> I know. What? But, what you, but they're out there. <laughs> there are. I've there are. Going back to Rob's earlier advice, bail. Right. Bail. Get out. <laughs> just cut and paste that. Get out. You're gonna get, get hurt, man. So run away. Yeah. I just think that's such a nice thing to say to someone, to a friend or a family yeah. member or something. Just like, and anytime you're with someone, you're like, oh, this feels like a break. This feels like a break from the bullshit. You yeah, know, me and you yeah. hanging out right now. This yeah. is nice. That is the most valuable thing on this earth. Someone you can stand. Jesus, that's yeah, the I best. Agree. Yeah, there there was um about I don't know, maybe ten years ago a band called The Books uh, put out a band put out a record called The Way Out. And if you don't know the books or that record, it's really good. Okay. And one of the tracks, it's deep into the the record, but they um. The, the record's inspired by uh, self-help tapes they found at thrift stores that they cut and pasted little bits and pieces of oh, and threw into that's genius. a lot of... The music is very cut and pasty, hmm. and it's lovely. It's really good. Uh, but on one, they found some answering machine tape where a man was conf- talking to this uh, a woman that he had spent some time with, and it's just... It, it was such a peek into the world where the guy said something like... Uh, you know, last night, you know, sitting and, and laying next to you was was just really nice. It was just really nice. <laughs> Beep. 
and you just kind of like your your heartstrings are all pulled at the same uh. time, and you go, "That is like such a nice little thing." And I I kind of felt the same way when you said when you were you know um, confessing that that the thing that Matt and I both thought was the pelvic bone, yeah, but turned totally. out to be like, you thought it was oh, that too? yeah. Well, I thought he was going I, there. We yeah, saw it yeah, yeah, sure. But it, it turned out to be this this sweet. You know, and sort of kind, yeah, generous thing to to throw because that's 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 really honest to, to you know to to say stuff like that, and of course, of course, it's also very vulnerable. So, I don't know um, that that stuff always touches me, and I think that you know, hopefully, the 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 person will be touched by. It. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you don't have to make it a thing. You don't have to make it a look. I have to tell you this and grasp both her hands on the, in the middle of a bridge in France or something like you don't have to you can just casually mention it mention it and you know <laughs> even if you want to do it like a cool guy look not for nothing but it's pretty fucking rad when you're around just saying and then roar off on your motorcycle don't even listen to what she has to say and they're like That's right. fuck because eventually it's, she's it's, gonna she's gonna know yeah it, that, your honesty, yeah. you, you're not going to be able to hide that. People no, can't. No. We are who we are. We are who we are. And it's, and good, it's good to start by not playing games. Exactly. You know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I would say it is really annoying if someone is just like, just so you know, I'm in this till the end. And you're like, this is our first date. What do you... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this and the end is now. To me, end is, <laughs> it's good to know. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to hang in there too long because I'm getting the check. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Dan has any problems, really. But... Because we don't have all the information, and people don't really give a lot of information when they call in. I've had people call in and go, "Should I change my jo- job to another job?" Like, what? what's your job? You know? Yeah. Uh, but I do like the idea. My therapist ha- gives me these exercises sometimes that I more often do not do than I do, uh-huh. and sometimes a lot of them is just making lists. And I think that list you you suggested Dan do is a, is a great idea to just Wait, write. Have stuff you been out. seeing Sharon? In what capacity? The therapist. Oh, no, I was oh. just kidding. I was like, making a joke. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I was making it. Yeah, Sharon. How did Bale. you nail the name of my mistress? No, <laughs> and my, your therapist. My, my therapist's name is Alan. We have a completely uh, platonic relationship. So boring. Even though I know, I know. <laughs> Move on. Yeah, I know, but it is. Can't even have an affair with my therapist. <laughs> Fucking boring ass straight dude. Talking about me. Okay. Final question. Final question. For all the marbles. Okay. So, in the last 34 years, am I the only person who has noticed the similarity similarity between the Scorpions, I'm Leaving You, and Michael Jackson's Beat It? Or am I just the only person still listening to the Scorpions? Uh-huh. All right. That's, all, that's my only question. Thanks. I love it. I've never heard I'm Leaving You. So I can't answer this question. Rob, have you heard it? If I have, it didn't evoke any Michael Jackson uh, yeah. beat it. So I, I think the only fair way to, to, to answer that is to uh, 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 listen to both of the songs and then make right. it See, well, we, 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 we can't. But then we, we have can't, to Google. We can't Google things. We can't. So, so we maybe can't. it is just you and maybe here, it isn't just here, you. But it's like I feel like we there is insight I can give to this uh, because... Um, even though I don't know a ton of, I, I was a big fan of Rocky like a hurricane when I was a kid. I feel like it's catchy and they're the scorpions is, is real good. What you call cock rock, just dumb, dumb guy rock. Mm-hmm. Um, they have so many songs about their dicks. 
from what I understand. But like, uh, they, uh, <laughs> so dumb. And I, uh, the, I love the scorpions because their English was never great. And they would be in concert. Like, we are the scorpions. We like to rock. It's like, okay, good. I hope, I hope you're here to rock. There's an innocence to it. It's so dumb. Yeah. But I do know from, there was that interview with uh, Quincy Jones where he just barfed out everything. Remember that? Yeah. Came out where he was just like, yeah. Marlon Brando fucked everybody. Marvin Gaye, Richard Pryor. And it was like, yeah, what? He, he lowered the veil oh, to a on, point where on, you're like, why are you telling me? Yeah, but it's, it's kind of this. amazing when someone yeah, reaches yeah, the yeah, era of, of their life, we're like, what are you going to do to me? But yeah. one thing he did say, they were like, what, what bothered you most about Ray Charles? And he's like, well, Ray Charles was always on something. He'd be, yeah. it, 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 first it was heroin, then it was gin in his coffee, which I was like, what the f- was he in Ooh. love with terrible flavor combinations? <laughs> but then he, he was like, what about Michael Jackson? He was like, he was a thief. He would steal uh, people's shit. He, and he named, Billie Jean is evidently ripped off from a Donna Summers song. And he said something else, a couple other things. He would just take people's whole tracks or whatever and just change them a little bit. Like they do with like jingles, you know, or, or like a show where they're mm. playing like what is obviously supposed to be super freak, but they'll change the baseline a little bit kind of thing. Yeah. So... There is a real good chance, caller, that because Michael Jackson was an absorber, he would go and hang out at Studio 54 and listen to every single song and memorize it. He could watch a dance routine and just copy it exactly. He could watch like a um, who are the, those? He danced with those guys, those the twin tap dancers. Damn it, what were their names? <sighs> they were famous from the. Uh, they were anyway. He could do whole their whole routine with them. As like almost a triplet, and their stuff was like jumping splits and all these you know flashy uh, yeah. jumps and twists, and so he could do the same thing with music. He could kind of like mm. how Mozart could hear a song once and play the whole thing. He yeah. couldn't play the whole thing, but he could sing the whole thing and sing it to musicians and play say play this, play this, play that. Uh. And he was like Elvis, like like anyone you've heard of, Tom Petty, whatever, in savagely ambitious. And incredibly driven and kind of, you know, I mean, he was like great friends with Paul McCartney and he bought all the Beatles songs and didn't give Paul any money, like just bought them all and was kind of just like, it's business. And it's like, if we're friends, how is wrong with you? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm not here to dump on Michael Jackson, but, you know, I think there's a really good chance because Beat It is a rock song. Beat It is not like an R&B song. That's one reason that album was so huge is because it went all over the place in terms of specific radio-friendly genres and it was a real, it was like a rock light song. And Yeah, um, a guitar riff was yes, driven yes. by and the song was driven I think uh, Eddie Van Halen did the, did the solo on it. And for free. It, for free. Just showed up and yeah, uh, Vincent Price was like paid a couple hundred bucks for being on Thriller. Forey Ackerman was in the audience on that. I'm sure Jesus. he just popped in. Nuts. So, yeah. So nutty, he was but, he was but, definitely a, a mercenary in terms of creating art and in terms of capitalism. So yeah, you know. But I'm sure Papa Joe <laughs> sent him on that road at a very exactly. Young age. Yeah, that's what he knew. You know. who knows if the Scorpions. Did the same thing. I, I haven't. I know nothing about that band. So I just, I, it's I hard can, to say. I if, can name three songs from the Scorpions. Yeah, that, and and that I'm leaving you is not one of them. But I I fucking love when people call with something that specific because it does make you spin off into other things. Yeah, even if you don't know the answer, for sure. You know what I mean? And it's like one reason I appreciate you were pulling the phone out to check it out. It's like I never want to do that because it's just it's no offense to the, that guy, but. Because this is not pertaining to his question, but it's like the amount of times we used to get questions where it's like, how do I start a podcast? Google it. What's the capital of Pennsylvania? You know, stuff like that where you're like, no, I'm not going to look that up for you. Yeah, it's a really specific question that requires 
uh, kind of a master of both of those. Well, not not so much Michael because that's more of a popular song, but for Scorpions to mm-hmm. to draw that, you know, exactly, conclusion. exactly. And who knows? Maybe it's parallel thinking, but <laughs> maybe according to Quincy Jones, he stole shit. So, Rob, thanks for being on the show. Uh, when when can people uh, see you coming up next, or anything you want to promote? Or oh, I don't know. I have a book uh, I've been working on for ten years that'll come out next year. You okay, know, I'll probably wow. get that. Be promoting that on certain levels. Very so, cool. Do you yeah. have the name for it yet? Mm-hmm. It's called Strange Cures. Strange Cures. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, compilation of stories, sort of on the memoir uh, side of growing up in the seventies and eighties in Burbank and falling into music and magic and yeah. Oh, I love it. Yep. Awesome. And yeah. Social that's... media, where can people find you? Oh yeah. Instagram, uh, Rob Zabrecki, my name. And, uh, yeah, I guess Facebook, those are the two that I use. And do you have, do you, do you, do you tour at all or do you mostly play? I in? do. Yeah. I mean, I, I do, uh, I do some magic tours, a lot of magic festivals, a lot of conventions, okay. things like that. And then putting stuff here in town and Okay. Do some acting. So nice. Let's work on a TV show. Oh, speaking of, uh, we were talking earlier about Scientology. I would like to add that uh, I have my reoccurring character on a, sh- on a show called Strange Angel, which is on CBS All Access. And uh, it's about the uh, life and times of rocket scientist Jack Parsons, who grew up in Pasadena. Oh, yeah. Ended up blowing himself up. Sure. It's a great story based in LA in the, in the 30s and 40s. And his, one of his, buddies early on was L. Ron Hubbard, a very young Amazing. pre-Scientology L. Ron Hubbard, yeah. who ran off with his second wife. And in the second season yes, of Strange Angel, story. Yeah, of sorry, course, sorry. right? Strange Angel is the name of the book. And early on, uh, second season of Strange Angel, that young L. Ron Hubbard is introduced. Oh, wow. So I think people are going to be interested, like us who are like kind of fascinated by that world, to see how he's portrayed mm-hmm. uh, on a CBS All Access TV show. <laughs> yeah. Ew, my God. So, yeah, I will definitely check that out. Check him out on, on Strange Angel. And thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate cool. It. Love your stuff. And it's cool being here. And thanks, yeah. Amanda. For thanks, buddy. This is great. Appreciate it's an it. an honor to get a chance to work with you. Yeah, for sure, man. If anyone wants to call in, uh, the number is 323-763-0228. Patreon, we're at advice from a dipshit. Throw us a buck if you can. We are now on Spotify. We did it. Stitcher. Apple Podcasts, you name it, everything. Uh, social media, at Advice from a Dipshit. Uh, on Facebook, at Dipshit Advice. On Twitter. Theme songs by Ben Wise. Uh, subscribe if you can. Write a fun review. Uh, my Please Hold Me tour runs through the end of the year. I will be at the Aladdin in Portland, Oregon, December 21st. Uh, tickets for that are going fast. And I'm going to close out the year at the Vermont uh, Comedy Club in Burlington. Lovely, sunny Burlington in uh, late December. Uh, not frozen at all, but it's going to be warm inside and be taping a new hour in there. So come through. Thanks again. And thanks, Rob. Thank you. See you later. See you, buddy. Bye. Advice from a dipshit. Advice from a dipshit. Advice from a dipshit. It's advice from a dipshit with Matt Fronger.